Hello and welcome to Bird of the Week. It's a podcast about birds, released on a non-weekly basis. Episode 43, How Much Wood Can a Woodpecker Peck? This week we're going back to our roots. It's a classic Bird of the Week episode looking at one family of birds. And this week, that family are the woodpeckers. Those little chisel-faced fellows who spend all day banging their heads into a tree. Sounds frustrating. As it turns out, the woodpecker, like all birds, is a marvel of evolution, and they are perfectly adapted for a life of tree pecking. In this episode, we are going to meet these critters, see where they live, how they've adapted, and answer once and for all the question, how much wood can a woodpecker peck? I'm guessing it's a lot, so let's get into it. Bird of the week. Now, don't get me wrong. Australia has some of the most amazing birds in the world. But if there are two families of birds I'm sad we don't have, one is the hummingbirds, and the other has to be the woodpeckers. And we're one of the few places in the world that doesn't have them. The others are New Zealand, Madagascar, and naturally, Antarctica. Everywhere else in the world, if you go to a wooded location, there is every chance that you might hear the majestic drumming of the pecker. Do we have a little uh, bit of um, woodpecking audio? Or we do. Well, roll that audio! That little example was the great spotted woodpecker doing its thing. Truly soothing. But maybe we are getting ahead of ourselves. I will have more to say on that pecking behaviour in a minute. But as always, first we need to properly identify these birds. Who are the woodpeckers? All woodpeckers belong to the family Picidae. This is a pretty big group. There are something like 240 woodpecker species. Their closest relatives are the honey guides of Africa, and in a surprise twist, the toucans of South America. I guess both birds developed distinctive bills, but while the woodpecker's bill is one of the toughest and most durable in the world, for all their bulk, toucans have surprisingly soft, lightweight bills. But we're not here to talk toucans, they're a bird for another week. Within the woodpecker family proper, there are three groups. The true woodpeckers, the piculates, and the wrynecks. Now, if I'm going to be totally honest with you, the true woodpeckers are the only birds out of the three that we would properly consider to be woodpeckers. Rhinecks don't even peck wood. They're a small species with a long snake-like neck, which is how they got their name. They've actually been known to use their neck as part of a threat display if they're disturbed at their nest, twisting their neck nearly 180 degrees around, swinging it about, and hissing all the while. Now, while they do have similar feet and tongues to woodpeckers, we'll get back to that in a bit, they lack the necessary adaptations to really go hammer and tongs on a branch. Some people think that they represent an ancient lineage of the birds and may resemble what woodpeckers were like before evolution really had its way with them. Piculates, on the other hand, are like little pygmy peckers, kind of like if a sparrow tried to be a woodpecker. They've got a much more compact and rounded shape and their bills tend to be stubbier. As a result, 
they do not behave in the same way as the rest of the family. Rather than smacking hardwood around, they tend to favour digging around in decaying wood for grubs and larvae. They also lack a stiff tail, which is one of the woodpecker's main features. More on that later. But enough of these non-pecker woodpeckers, let's talk about the real deal. Once you've looked at a lot of woodpecker pictures, and uh, I mean I have, you will quickly come to realise that they have an instantly identifiable silhouette, and to a certain extent coloration that stays fairly consistent across most members of the family. They're a slim bird with a pointy chisel-shaped beak. They have a neck that is slightly longer than the average bird of their size. No doubt this gives them greater leverage when they're smacking their face into a trunk. Maybe one of the most instantly telltale signs that you're looking at a woodpecker is the bright red crest of crown feathers that the vast majority of the family sport. Other plumage can be a bit variable. A lot of woodpeckers have some sort of black and white combo going on but others can be brown and olive, made for camouflage. One of the most specialised woodpeckers is the black-backed woodpecker. They specialise in areas that have been recently burnt by fire, hence their black back. It helps them stay camouflaged while foraging on the charred trunks of trees. Other birds deploy yellow plumes. Some of the most striking are ones like the black woodpecker, which is all jet black with just the red blazing crown popping on their head. The aptly named chestnut-coloured woodpecker is also, well, a bright chestnut-coloured bird. One of the most beautiful members of the family is the northern flicker, with a black and cream scalloped wings and chest, with a blush pink neck and, yes, a patch of red on their head, just so you know they're a woodpecker. The other distinctive thing about woodpeckers is the way they perch. Woodpeckers favour perching on the vertical trunk of the tree, rather than sitting on a branch, like we would imagine most birds doing. They prefer to cling to the side, as this is where they do most of their feeding from. To aid them in this endeavour, the toes of the woodpecker are arranged with two pointing forward and two pointing backward, just like a parrot. The only exception to this four-toe arrangement are the three-toed woodpeckers, which have, well, three toes. Despite the loss of a clutching claw, they still perch in the same way, though. And this distinctive way of sitting on a tree is one key difference between the true woodpeckers and the piculates and rye necks, both of whom alight like a normal bird on a branch. When it comes to size, there is also a fair bit of variation. The bar-breasted piculate comes in at just 7.5 centimetres, that's about 3 inches, while the biggest can be more than 6 times the size. The largest member of the woodpecker family is the great slaty woodpecker, which is 50 centimetres 19 inches, and can weigh nearly half a kilo, about a pound. As for the habitats they favour, given that they live all over the world, except Australia, woodpeckers have proven to be a highly adaptable family. For the most part, woodpeckers favour forested areas, ah, exceptions. It may not come as a surprise, but woodpeckers do tend to need, well, you know, wood to, to peck. But as long as there is wood to peck, they don't seem to be too fussy. You can find woodpeckers in tropical rainforests, woodlands, savannas, scrublands, even bamboo forests. Hell, there are some species that have made a living in grasslands and deserts. One species, the Helia woodpecker, that's Helia spelt G-I-L-A, manages to survive in the American deserts because they have adapted to use cacti as their nesting sites. And in southern Africa, the ground woodpecker has given up all pretense of the arboreal life, and as the name suggests, lives mainly 
on the ground. They hunt for ant eggs and larvae, and curiously for woodpeckers, they deploy a similar feeding strategy as meerkats. One bird from the group will act as a sentry, taking up a position on higher ground to watch out for threats, while the rest of the family forages for food. They take shifts of about 10 minutes each, regularly swapping places to make sure every member of the family gets a chance to feed. They also nest in tunnels that they dig near rivers or other waterways. So, is the woodpecker adaptable? You better believe it. Maybe now would be a good time to look at the tool that has given the woodpecker not only its name, but its greatest adaptability. That would be their beak. When birds decided to trade their limbs for wings, it meant their mouth had to become their all-purpose tool. Many birds have specialised their beak to do all sorts of things, and the woodpecker is one of the most extreme. Although you wouldn't think so just by looking at them, because their beaks look fairly normal, albeit a bit long and chisel-like, almost dagger-shaped, but it's certainly nothing you'd do a double take on. But this beak, and the mechanisms that sit behind it, are remarkable. So first question, how hard can a woodpecker peck? Well, with over 200 members in the family, yeah, it's tough to say anything specific. The real answer would be, which woodpecker are you talking about? But that's no fun, so let's put some numbers on this thing. On average, a woodpecker can smack wood with between 1,000 and 1,500 G-forces. Now, I wanted to explain exactly what a G-force is, but when I opened the Wikipedia page and started reading, I got very muddled very fast. So let me put this another way. It takes about 100 G-forces to give yourself a concussion, which is about the equivalent of running your head into a wall at 30 kilometers an hour. 20 miles. So not only is a woodpecker driving its head into a wall with 10 times the force necessary to give a human a concussion, it's also doing it about 20 times a second. They go hard, they go fast. As already mentioned, the classic woodpecker beak is dagger-like, pointy, but also rounded on the end, not quite like an egret or a heron that uses their sharp pointy beak to skewer things. But the thing that helps the woodpecker peck is not so much to do with the beak itself, but everything else that surrounds it. After all, you too could strap a chisel to your face and bang it into a tree at top force. The problem is not your ability to generate enough force to smack the tree. The problem is Newton's third law of motion. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. You might be able to hit a wall with 1000 Gs, but when you do that, the wall hits you back with an equal force, and that's what's going to give you a concussion. So for the woodpecker, they needed to figure out a way to survive that force. The first thing they take advantage of is just a simple question of scale. It might be a little counterintuitive, but as masses get bigger, forces have different impacts on them. It's the reason why ants can carry hundreds of times their own weight and we can't, and it's the reason why a mouse could jump off the Empire State Building and survive, while an elephant would explode on contact with the ground. And in part because the woodpecker has a relatively small brain, even for its size, it is better placed to withstand forces that a bigger mass would not. But that alone isn't enough, so let me step you through some other traits it has. The skull of a woodpecker also provides a much snugger fit for their brain than usual. They have less fluid in their brain, it's strapped in tighter, so that means when it's head bashing away, the brain doesn't move inside the skull like ours would. So that's helpful. One of the odder pieces of woodpecker anatomy is their tongue bone, or if you want to be fancy, their hyoid bone. It is extraordinarily long. How long are we talking? Well, it begins in their beak, 
you know, as you would expect. But from there, it splits extending down their throat before it curves around the back of their neck and then up the back of their skull. It wraps right around the top of their head before coming back down the front between their eyes and then finally ending near the nose. Ornithologists have described this bone as acting like a seat belt for the skull, helping to cushion and restrain it against the vigorous pecking motion. So, you know, tongue, bone, skull, seatbelt. That's a handy feature. But wait, there's more! Computer simulations have also shown that the woodpecker is able to disperse a lot of the energy generated in their pecking throughout the rest of their body. This spreads the load and again moves the bulk of the strain away from the brain. You don't want brain strain. Curiously though, just like a blacksmith beating on a piece of metal will cause it to heat up through the transfer of energy, so too with these birds, as they bash away at the wood, their heads get hot, and so they need to take a little breather from time to time to cool down. So that's their beak at any rate, but they have one more unexpected feature that helps them in their pecking mission, and that's their tail. I know, right? You wouldn't expect something attached to their butt to be handy for something that happens at their face. And yet it is. You see, the woodpecker's tail is unique. They're stiff bristled. And if you take a look at a woodpecker while they're perched on the side of a tree and doing their thing, you will notice they hold their tail in a particular way. They press their tail against the trunk of the tree, essentially using it as a brace to support themselves while they peck. As mentioned before, the piculates don't have these special tails, and it's another reason why they don't peck into tough wood. They just don't have the bracing support. So, now we know how woodpeckers peck. The next question we have to answer is, why do woodpeckers peck? Would you believe there are three reasons? Strangely versatile, I know. Reason number one, to find food. Reason number two, to make a nest. And reason number three, to communicate. Of course, not all woodpeckers use their pecking in the same way, or engage in all three activities. But let's work our way through the list and see what's going on. First, and most obvious, finding food. So the classic woodpecker uses its beak to find food hiding under the bark of trees. Grubs, boring beetles and the likes. And like, you, you know, the, the beetles aren't boring. They're, 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 they're quite interesting. They just bore holes. Normally, bugs like these are inaccessible to most birds. They're hiding inside a tree for Pete's sake. They've got all that lumber between them and anything that wants to eat them. They're out of sight, out of mind. But if there is a resource in nature that no one is taking advantage of, you may be sure at some point some creature is going to come along to exploit that untapped resource. Woodpeckers will perch on the side of a tree, and they will listen. Pressing their proverbial ear against the side of the tree, they listen for the telltale sound of a bug munching away at the tree under the bark. When they hear that noise, they will zero in and start pecking away to find the bug, prying the wood away with their beak. They will then use their long, sticky tongue to lap up whatever they find, kind of like an anteater that can fly. These tongues are quite extraordinary. They can poke them out far beyond the extent of their beak, which comes in handy when licking around the long tunnels that burrowing bugs make in trees. Many woodpeckers also have tongues with tiny backward-facing barbs and secrete a special kind of glue-like saliva, which all goes to ensure that when a bug gets a lickin', she will be a stickin'. 
And, more or less, that's the life of the classic woodpecker. But that isn't the only way they can peck wood to find food. Allow me to introduce you to a second kind of woodpecker, the sapsucker. And yes, that's what they're called. Which kind of gives away their diet of choice. You know, it's sap. Rather than boring holes looking for bugs, sapsuckers chisel out patches on the tree, encouraging sap to flow, which they lap up. They're kind of like a tree vampire. Ooh, you know what, I I like that. A a strong pitch for changing their name to Tree Vampire. They leave behind a patchwork of bare spots in the trunk of the tree, marking out where they have been. In some instances, the sapsuckers can get a bit overenthusiastic. Some trees that are intensively fed upon can end up dying as a result of too much sap loss. It seems that birch trees are particularly susceptible to sapsucker attack, and are the most likely to die if too much of their lifeblood is taken. So that's the sapsucker, but there is yet another woodpecker, who feeds itself with pecking, but this time in a more indirect way. This is the acorn woodpecker, and again the name kind of gives away what they eat. Yeah, acorn. But, dear listener, you may have noticed that one doesn't need to peck wood to access acorns. They have a habit of hanging out in the open, where just anyone can gather them up. And gather them up, the acorn woodpecker does. But the acorn woodpecker is a little like the squirrel of the bird world, in that they want to gather up their nuts for the winter. Yeah, fun fact, technically speaking, an acorn is a nut. But is a peanut a nut? No, it's a legume. But what about Brazil nuts? Technically seeds. Walnuts, pecans, almonds, all droops. Hazelnuts. Yeah, hazelnuts, they're they're actually nuts too. So are chestnuts. I've gotten off track. This isn't nut of the week. Acorn woodpeckers. They gather up acorns, but once they have them, they need to store them somewhere. This is where their pecking comes in handy. Unlike other woodpeckers, acorn woodpeckers are highly social, and they live in a family unit that will have a home tree, or rather, a granary tree. And into this tree they will chip away hundreds, even thousands of tiny holes that they will stuff the acorns into to store them for later use over the winter. The trees that they live in become hideously pockmarked, Some trees can have up to 50,000 holes drilled into them for the storage of nuts. And the woodpeckers are also highly fastidious. They spend a copious amount of time making sure that the nut fits its hole just right. And they will test it in multiple holes until they find a fit that is perfect. And as the nut ages, dries, and shrinks, they will move it around the tree, always making sure that it fits its assigned hole just right. They can be a bit obsessive when it comes to tending to their nuts. Then, there are other woodpeckers that completely buck the trend. The ground woodpecker and several species of flicker don't really peck trees at all. Rather, they forage for their food on the ground, and may go after ants, using their beaks to break into ant nests, and yes, hammering into the ground in a similar way that their relatives hammer into trees. They have evolved to be the ant-eater of the bird world, a rare feat given how unappealing ants are to most animals. Research has found that the saliva of the flicker is strongly alkaline, which may help to neutralise the protective formic acid of the ants and make them more palatable. Now, while they may not peck wood to find their food, they do do both of the other wood pecking, so maybe now is the time to move on to nesting. Woodpeckers are cavity nesters. Much like parrots and a whole host of other birds, they nest in holes high in trees. 
But woodpeckers are unique because they are one of the few birds that construct their own nest, chiseling out the innards of a tree to make a bespoke hole to suit their purposes. In fact, many birds are reliant on woodpeckers to make their nests. A common practice of other birds is to move into old, disused woodpecker holes, so they're certainly doing a great job keeping house stock up for the whole bird community. Heck, even sometimes squirrels get in on the action. Now, there are of course exceptions. There are always exceptions. Woodpeckers that live in more arid areas will nest in cacti, and as mentioned, some of the more ground-dwelling species dig holes. One oddball, the Campo flicker, even nests in termite mounds from time to time. But anyway, that covers the nest building. Just one use of pecking left to go, and this one is communication. This is maybe the behaviour that people will be most familiar with, and will also find the most infuriating. Because when the pecker decides to peck to communicate, they won't always do it on a tree. They may instead go for the object that is going to make the best resonant noise, and that can include metal things like drain pipes attached to people's homes. They make a great echoing noise so all the local peckers, near and far, can hear them from any distance. As do the people who live in the house, which can get rather tiresome rather quickly. But you know what, we've wiped out millions of square kilometres of the woodpecker's natural habitat, so maybe that's a small price to pay. When peckers want to talk via pecking, their behaviour is called drumming. Fair enough. Shall we have a listen to some drumming? Let's roll the audio! That was the melodious sound of a flicker banging away on an air conditioning unit. It maybe isn't a surprise that the behaviour of drumming evolved in woodpeckers. After all, they were banging away anyway, and if you're already making a noise, it seems like the logical next step is to turn it into a form of communication. What is maybe more surprising is the level of nuance the birds can generate from something so simple. Not only can one tell the difference between individual species based on the tempo and timber, no pun intended, pun kind of intended, but for a careful listener, you can also distinguish between genders, individual birds, and even tell their mood. The purpose of the drumming is the same as any other bird's song. It broadcasts to other woodpeckers over a long distance a clear assertion of territorial and mating rights. Interesting enough, scientists have found that the region of the brain associated with drumming is exactly the same as it is for other birds that use song to communicate. So we should assume that for the woodpeckers they are encoding the same sort of information into their drum beats as any other bird is with their song. And it's an elegant solution for a bird that doesn't have much of a voice to speak of. Bird of the week. Now, no discussion of woodpeckers would be complete without touching on the most famous woodpecker of all, the ivory-billed woodpecker. This is, was, one of the biggest species of woodpecker in North America, having a wingspan close to 80 centimetres, 30 inches. They look like the classic woodpecker, a black and white bird with a prominent red crest. Historically, they lived in the temperate conifer forests of the southern United States. But, as you might be able to tell from my use of the past tense, they are suspected to be extinct. 
Their last confirmed sighting was way back in 1944. Even by the end of the 19th century, the bird was considered rare, with its habitat greatly reduced thanks to logging of the mature, old-growth forests that they relied on. During the 1930s, conservationists made an effort to buy and preserve one of the last known tracts of the land where the woodpeckers lived in an attempt to save the species, but the logging company who owned that land refused to sell. When the last bird was sighted in 1944, it was just prior to the completion of the logging project, and the bird has not been seen since. At least, we don't have ironclad evidence of its continual existence. Every year there are unconfirmed sightings, and the bird has inspired many intrepid people to go in search of it. Although most authorities believe that most of these sightings are people getting mixed up with the similar-appearing pileated woodpecker. Nevertheless, the United States Fish and Wildlife Services has been reluctant to declare the bird 100% extinct, and there are a variety of reasons for this, which we won't get into today. Story for another time, maybe. But one of the main reasons is that it's rather hard to prove that something isn't there. But there may be hope. In May of this year, Project Principalis presented findings in the peer-reviewed scientific journal Ecology and Evolution, suggesting that the bird may still be alive. They used camera and video traps to record a couple of birds that could be our missing peckers. But I'll level with you. I have seen the footage they captured, and the birds in the shots are a long way away and kind of blurry, so no one is calling this definitive evidence by any means. But nevertheless, the footage has been reviewed by experts, and there is at least some possibility that there could be an ivory bill out there somewhere. More research is needed. More research is always needed. But let's cling on to hope that the ivory bill has likewise clung on all these years. And on that note, we might draw our discussion on woodpeckers to an end. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, we mentioned how woodpeckers use their drumming in the same way that songbirds use their voice. So next week, we're going to pick up on this thread and do a deep dive into birdsong. What is the deal? Why do they do it? And just how much information can they encode in their songs? Could we call it language? Well, you'll have to tune in next time to find out more. But before then, if you still want some more bird action, I've got some good news. Our bonus podcast called What's Up With That Bird's Name has just come out, and this week it is all about the Orcaceous Piculate. That is one mouthful of a name for such a tiny bird. How did the diminutive cousin of the woodpecker get its name? Well, for the low, low price of just $2 a month, you can find out all about it. All you have to do is go to www.patreon forward slash bird of the week or one word link in the description to find out more. And if you're feeling especially generous and want to make a bigger contribution, then you too can get a special thank you from me in the show. Just like my good friends Jill Chalker, Jody Little, Debbie Hode, R. Fuller, and Richard Clark, the Minty Fresh. And if you'd like a free bird delivered to your inbox each week, then drop me a line at weekly.bird at outlook.com and I will add you to the Bird of the Week mailing list where you will get a new bird lovingly delivered to you for free each and every week. I mean, hey, who doesn't want more birds in their inbox? At any rate, thank you for listening and I hope you'll join us again soon. Until then, this has been Bird of the Week. But how much wood would a woodpecker peck if a woodpecker could peck wood? Well, you know, they can peck an estimated 12,000 times a day, so yeah.
yeah, it, it's a lot. 